Welcome to episode 8 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. So, hold up. What? One second. Okay. Before we start talking about our topic, I have something I would like to say. Okay. I am sick and tired of all <laughs> these people in the world bitching about R&D not noticing the Sahili cat combo. Alright? Every goddamn motherfucker who complains <laughs> about the bullshit, like, Ah, oh, they didn't see the cat. Oh, it's so easy to notice. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, here's the goddamn thing. Sahili is a shit magic card. Unplayable outside of this exact scenario, right? And I didn't see the combo when I saw it, and I'm one who, like, you know, I like combo stuff, right? Like, I didn't see the goddamn thing. Like, I cannot imagine that the vast majority of people who hold shit against R&D for not seeing, you know, all the shit that comes out when they're, like, busting their asses to make this set good and playable, and all they do is bitch about it. I cannot imagine that all those people saw it and noticed it themselves. They probably, like, the large majority of the world noticed it online and said oh look at this combo it's broken they themselves didn't see it they're just holding it against the people who also didn't see it and it pisses me off continue okay <laughs> i did not know that was coming <laughs> oh it's a lot so, more, it's a lot more entertaining when it's a surprise so how is magic <laughs> <laughs> magic's great I'm medium. Life is medium. All in all, net positive. So, we're <laughs> going to talk about a couple things today. Um, that wasn't one of them. But, well, since you got your blood pressure up, I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll, hit, this, we'll hit this topic really quick. So, um, John, I'm guessing you follow spoilers and notice some uh, <laughs> the uh, Masterpiece series, or the Invocations as they're referred to, uh, for the new set has been spoiled in its almost entirety except for like five cards yeah um so what are your thoughts i think they're awesome i get why people don't like them i think they need to simmer down and realize that the world isn't going to end because there's a card printed that they don't like so so john why do people <laughs> hate them though i mean I, I look at this and i'm like oh this is great i mean you know, they're printing a lot of really cool cards. I mean... So here's the thing about people, right? People don't like change. And people freak out whenever there's change, right? And there's a lot of change on these cards. Like, they're very... Di the, the layout is very different. Let's be completely honest, alright? Like, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna, you know, be kind to these just because they're magic cards. If you do a Google image search, it will show you Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> I'm completely serious. Yeah. Like, it's kind of hilarious, but it's, you know, it happens, alright? Mm -hmm. But that in and of itself is not a bad thing, really. It's like, what are the masterpieces supposed to be? They're supposed to be like these super unique looking and awesomely blingy cards. And that's exactly what these are. Like, look at the gold on every single card. All the the foiling process and how it works. Like, all the colors on each of them. Like, those are actually foil in addition to the art itself. And it just looks sweet. So, let's get this point out of the way really quick. And I think 
everyone agrees with at least this statement. The card selection is great. Yes. No. I mean, I, okay. you can complain about like austere command, sure, but you know you can't always open Tarmogoyfs in your packs. That's not how magic works. <laughs> no, like basically the vast majority of these are really, really sweet. Yeah, and the yeah, art but, is gorgeous. The art is insane. But okay, so I'm not I'm not a giant hater on these, but I'm I'm a critic. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think some things are off, um, and I, do, I I come down somewhere about medium on them. My one of my big issues is the 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 way they design the cards. Whether or not it's actually true, it makes the art look smaller. Yes, your eyes don't go to the art as like a normal magic card. You you pick it up, you look at it, you see the art first. With these, you see the border first. You see the frame and everything going on, and so that's. That's one of my criticisms, I guess, because the art on these is insane. I mean, I've seen, I saw some of the like high res versions of some of them, like the high res Wrath of God. Holy hell, man, that thing looks beautiful. Yeah, there is a lot to love about the art on all these cards. I understand that, like a lot of people, when they look at it, like their eyes are like distracted by everything going on around it. But, like, I don't know if I'm just unique in how I view magic cards. Like, even when I'm looking at these things, my eyes aren't really drawn to, like, the window dressing, as you want to say. Or, like, the curtains. Mm-hmm. Like, when I look at a magic card, I don't see the border when I'm looking there. I kind of, like, I view every card as you're looking through a window that the card is. And you're seeing what's going on outside, right? Like, you don't look through your kitchen window and see your curtains hanging there. You look through your kitchen window and see your neighbors across the street, right? Like Creeper. that. <laughs> that's what I see when I look at this card. Like I don't. I'm like I'm looking at like this ancient Egyptian shrine, and like it's like a stargate almost, right? Like it opens up and like you're seeing this world beyond and what's going on, and you're just like, holy shit! Like my eye, like I look at like the frame and stuff because i like i want to but like my eyes are not drawn to the frame like everyone is complaining that theirs are like yes the frames are busy but they're not as busy as everyone seems to be implying see i don't know about that i think they i think they are quite busy the thing is though there's a lot of things i do like about the frames i do like the overall general design if that makes sense i think a black border on them would have gone a long way to make things look i don't know to just rein things in in a to in a way, I guess. I do think that is one reason why a lot of people think the art looks so tiny, is the fact that, like, we're used to there being a black frame where there isn't. So, like, the border is filling up the place where the black frame was, and it's not really shrinking in as a result of that, but your mind is automatically putting a black border around every card and shrinking it to what it would have to be to have that. So as a result, the art looks tiny. There is the dressing on the inside, too, like the, the little carve-outs and things like that that actually do cover up pieces of the art and i think when you cut off the like it cuts off some of the corners of the art i think that makes it gives it the perception of being smaller too yeah i think it's all like these little aesthetic things that like you're not really losing anywhere near as much as you think you are you just mentally feel like it is which is really interesting and here's the thing though is is that it doesn't matter what reality is. It matters what we think reality is. Exactly. And, and I mean, and there's not a lot of things, because I honestly, I'm a big fan of a lot of pieces of the cards, actually. Like, especially the, um, uh, 
some of the lore, like the lower half of the card, if that makes sense. Like the the artist credit, I love the bolas horns around the the foil seal. Mm-hmm. Um, the vertical power and toughness is cool to me. Um, I like the gold along the bottom, and I'm one of the few people I think that actually really likes how they did the mana the mana symbols and everything. The, even with it being colorless, how it's kind of like boxed in with that cir- the circle and everything. I don't know. I mm-hmm. I enjoy that actually. Yeah, like it literally looks like you're just you're like I said, you're looking at like the shrine of something, and it's like it's all like carved in the stone is what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Like even the like the writing, like a lot of people complain about the writing, and I get it, I really do. The first time I read these cards, I couldn't tell what they were. I had to read the actual text box, but the text box is perfectly clear. You can read it with no problem whatsoever, and that's what really matters to know what the card is. Yeah, that's a big piece. Is they they may have gone crazy with the name and the type line, and, but they made the text boxes more readable than a regular magic card. Yeah, like they're extremely easy to read. I I like that a lot. I really am glad they did that. And like it, I honestly think it was just an acclamation thing because like now that I understand what the words look like, I can read any one of them just like at a glance. I know what they say. Oh, I can't, man. I still have trouble with a bunch of them. Yeah, I don't know if just like my mind just adapted to him easier but like i can read every single card that i'm like scrolling through i can tell you what each of them does it's actually weirdly harder for me to read the type line than the titles for some reason but i think that just me- might be because my eyes are naturally drawn towards the title i think i think one of the, actually a weird thing is one of the problems is that they centered the text true and we're so we're so used to having it justified to the one side that it makes it actually harder to you're trying to read from, you know, yeah, le- left to right, and it's just not working right. Yeah, that like, is your brain, your brain just can't handle it. That is weird for our my, our particular style of brains, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, even like I've seen people complaining about the fact that the text box is centered, and that's just stupid. I don't mind that. I mean, that's actually something that they've done on regular Magic cards. Yeah, like, like it looks like really literally. Sweet. Like, if you look at um, uh, some of the old, or not the old even, um, modern printings, uh, printings of uh, cards with no flavor text or anything a lot of times, like, I'm, I'm holding a lightning bolt here that has all the text centered. Mm-hmm. Someone was complaining about Cryptic Command, especially. Like, the fact that the, like, you should never have bullet-pointed things be centered. It's like, really? That looks perfectly fine. Like, I see nothing wrong with that. It looks great. I mean, it looks a little strange to some degree, but I don't think it looks... So strange that it's worth complaining about. <laughs> yeah, well, anything's worth complaining about. Rude. <laughs> but I don't know. I there's things I like about him, things I don't like about him. I mean, if, if I pull one, am I gonna be like, oh god, I pulled this stupid card? No, I'm gonna be super pumped. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be like, oh, I hate this force of will. It's just garbage, and give it to me for free, right? So I'm gonna be honest. I did not know they printed Force of Will after looking through these a bunch of times, and I and actually like you linking me directly to Force of Will multiple times and us having a discussion <laughs> about Force of Will. I literally forgot that that card was printed in there. Yeah, it unfortunately doesn't have the greatest of art out of all of them. But like another little random rant I have about people: in what universe does that Force of Will art not demonstrate the fact that it's Force of Will? I've seen people complaining that, like, Force of Will and Days don't look like what the spells are signifying. I mean, Days kind of doesn't, but it's still sweet art. But, but like, Force of Will, Force of Will gives me a huge um, uh, Contradict vibe. So, 
It gives mm. me a counterspell vibe. But here's the thing about Days, though, right? Like, think of the original Days. It's a dude staring up into the sky at a bunch of little sperms flying around his head. <laughs> and he's just, he's dazed by their existence, right? If you're telling me you could walk into wherever that lake is, see that, and not just stand there dumbfounded for a few seconds, you do not appreciate things in life. Because I know I would. I'd stare there like, yep, I am definitely quantified as dazed right now. I mean, to be fair, any art that has non-tangible magic is always really hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to convey all of that that feeling and what it's supposed to do just through the art. I mean, every piece of the card kind of has to come to, together to, to, to get the message across. So the art, I think, with those is a little more free to some degree, but I mean, it's, you know. It's also yeah. super hard with counterspells in general, right? Because, like... Mm-hmm. It's so easy to just fall into the natural trap of, oh, the blue mage waved his hand and the spell went awry. It's like, but that gets so boring and repetitive where it's like, you don't just want to keep copying it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that days art, I'd take any day for, for days. I don't think that's a problem by yeah. any means. Like, I cannot imagine that it's not just absolutely gorgeous. Like, just, like, basically, like, that's what all the actual counterspells are outside of days. It's just, like, the crane god sticking his hand out and a blue beam shoots. It's like, yeah. Pretty much. I don't know. That counterspell art, man. That's, yeah. I'm a big fan of, like, the bubble counterspells. Yeah, me too. Actually, one of the, one of the ones that I kind of get a kick out of is, um, uh, Stifle. Because it's, so here's the thing. It's not magical. Yeah. Which is interesting for a card that you would think would be, you know, magical, if that makes sense. Like, the art's not really showing magic. Yeah, it's just like the guy is getting stopped through a natural trap. They're getting stifled. (laughs) Speaking of which, Entomb, that art, though. Oh, man, yeah. That guy guy is not going to be enjoying his time pretty soon. Uh, Unless he's a Grizzlebrand getting ripped out of the graveyard. That's fine. Actually, yeah. I really like the black ones a lot. Yeah. Like, Mind Twist is by far my favorite art, I think. Yeah. You want to know what I like the most about Mind Twist, actually? It's, the art itself is not full of black. Yes. It is just The art shit. is simple. Yeah, the art is really, it's, I mean, it's not simple, but it's, it's simple. It, it has exactly what it needs to have. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that the elegance of that. You know, it's a dude... Like, on a sand dune, basically. And, like, the background doesn't have a lot of clutter. There's not a lot of other things there. It's just a dude with his head getting ripped out, basically. Like Yeah, by his own mind. <laughs> by his own mind. But it's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a beautiful, elegant card, and I like that. Yeah, I, I actually really like the fact that a lot of these um, invocations, they're not dominated by the color that they are. It makes, yeah. like, there's a lot more variation in the art, or and it just makes it so much nicer to look at, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe that's part of the problem, though, with people when they look at it, they're like, oh, it's not dominated by a specific color, except for, like, Counterspell and Days, and yeah. a couple yeah. of those. Counterspell, Days, and Spell Pierce are very, very blue. Yes, they are quite full of the blue. But, <laughs> but everything know. else is like, it's so nice. Like, look at the red. There's The red isn't just, like, mono red in the color palette it's so amazing should we get on to to the main topic i'm gonna wait make one more little caveat about this okay okay i personally think that 
Watsi should have made every masterpiece up until this point without border. Like, take the black border off. I feel like a lot of people would have been a lot more accepting of these invocations if, like, the inventions and the expeditions had also had not had a black border. Because that is just the most glaringly obvious thing that's different about them. Yeah, it really is. Alright. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it on that. <laughs> We're going to talk about something that we've kind of talked about in a bunch of previous episodes, but really haven't described so yeah, we've referenced <laughs> these a lot yeah people may be lost we're gonna we're gonna take about talk about psychographics and this is something that was invented um i think mark rosewater kind of invented these ones and you probably could get a lot more information about them if you go read his articles or pod, listen to his podcast or any one of the million things that he's done just just go listen to his gdc 2016 20 years 20 lesson talk because that's basically game design every level you could ever want yeah but you pay pay attention to mark rosewater dude knows what he's talking about yeah what the psychographics are is it basically is that he identified that people at, at the very very core when you distill everything down people play magic for three reasons and i believe people play games in general i think you could apply this to video games tabletop games whatever um people play magic for three reasons they play it to prove something they play it to experience something or they play it to express something and these are very very core human nature sort of things that we can all relate to um i think people kind of follow these things in life to a great degree also they're also very intentionally vague uh, yeah and it's not they're broad i would yeah, say broad sorry but I mean that covers a it covers a lot of things because I mean if you start splitting things apart it doesn't really help you figure out the crux of what somebody is trying to do. So when you have it down to these you know core points, it really shows what somebody is trying to get out of the game. Fun little names were created for him, and he since has adapted them and everything too. So um, so people who want to prove something are Spike. That's what the name is referred to as. Hello. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we'll go into each one of these as soon um people who want to express something are uh johnny or jenny he's got both gender names in it now spike is kind of both so um as rosewater has said he's known four people who have been referred to as spike and three of them have been women <laughs> um and the, and people who want to experience something are timmy or tammy so I'm going to use the male ones because I'm insensitive, I guess, and that's, it's just the ones I know. Yeah, that's what uh, we're ingrained in. So you have Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. These are the, the three main psychographics. Timmy wants to experience something. Basically what that means is that he plays the game so that he can have cool situations or hang out with friends or he, he wants to... He, story equity is a Timmy thing to some degree. Like he wants to ha he wants to create stories and moments and events and he wants to experience something while playing the game. So a lot, so the the common thing is that Timmy likes big giant creatures. That's the stereotype. Because who doesn't like a dragon? Right. <laughs> Tim, Timmy Timmy is the one who just windmill slams dragons all day and is super happy about it. Um, coin flipping is a big Timmy thing too. They just want 
crazy scenarios. My unexpected results deck is the timmiest deck ever, probably. Yes. Well, it also has a Johnny bent to it because so so Johnny. <laughs> We'll we'll get there now. So Johnny is trying to express something through the game about themselves. Um, they want to show, they want to say something about themselves by the the way their deck is built, or the specific cards they choose for their deck, or how they play the deck, or the specific cards they collect, or whatever whatever piece it is they want to to say. This is this is me and I'm using the game as my vehicle to express it. Um, so I, I tend to be a Johnny quite a bit. That's my sort of thing. Um, the, the stereotype of Johnnies is that they like combo decks, really complex combo decks, Johnny combo player. Unexpected results kind of goes with that way because it's an unnecessary combo just for me to express what I want to, to express something through mat through a magic deck, I guess, to show that, that I, what I can create and something about me. But so in the last one is Spike. Spike wants to prove something. Usually this is they want to prove that they're good at the game. Um, but it could be something else. They want to prove that they, you know, know the lore. They want to prove that they can. They want to collect all of something and complete something. They want to. They just want to prove that they can. They want to prove something through the game, and this is their vehicle for it. So commonly, Spike is the tournament player. That's the. This was the first psychographic that, I think they came up with in magic r&d and that's the one you go by right <laughs> Abs i am i have a little bit of both of the others in me but i am very much a spike like i i will tell anyone who asks and i've told i've told many people even when they don't ask i literally play magic for trophies i play for playmats i play to get my name on the wall i play for certificates like i play to bring something home and show you know myself I did this. I earned this. This is why I play Magic. Yeah, I am yeah. very much a Spike. I have my moments of Timminess, and I have my moments of Johnny. But I, I believe everybody has sort of these little, every, a little bit of everything in them. It's not. It's not one of those things where you're just like, oh, I am a hundred percent this, nothing else. Um, you can express every, every little piece of thing. I mean, I know that I'm a Johnny too because. So to, to branch out of Magic and go into my other, or our, well, I guess our other big hobby, uh, tabletop role-playing games, mm -hmm. I tend to make characters to express something about myself. Or I write games that where, when I want to express something. So a, a lot of that self-expression comes through there, which Magic is basically no different. I mean, before I really started playing in a, in a competitive sense at all, think about the decks that I built. Obviously everyone out there knows all the decks I built, so they yeah. can, can picture it. But I mean, John, you know, you can you can picture it because you played with me before that time. Yeah, but like you know, mono fire of, breathing? Like my fire breathing deck that, yeah, the mono fire breathing deck that actually can win on turn three. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I'm just going through my, my decks box here. My my Sphere of Safety, Azor's Elocutor's deck. The, the Chasm Skulker deck. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, I, I tended to build decks with a theme. I tended to build decks to to try to express something. Um, I mean, my, my main EDH deck I play is a Tasty EDH deck, which is completely flavor-based. Mm -hmm. And I want to express that flavor through it. I mean, not that I'm not... I'm also kind of a Timmy because, I mean, Unexpected Results has been my baby for the longest time, and there's nothing like slamming a giant creature and giggling. Yeah, th there's so much Johnny in that. Like, that is the perfect amalgamation of both Timmy like and Johnny just crammed into one deck. Yeah, it really 
it really is that it. I don't know. It's we talked about it so yeah. much. <laughs> it's kind of it's it's cause it's so relevant because like it's literally all three second graphics crammed into one. Because like it's, it kind of is. It's like it's Timmy because you have all these big awesome things and you want story equity and. Boy, howdy, has that deck given you some story equity? <laughs> I, I, I always say, if that deck can do anything, it can create story equity. Yeah, and like, and it's like, it's this super weird combo deck, right? That's like, you need everything to go perfectly well, but when it does go well, you're proving, like, yeah, I can do this. And like, then you have the spike aspects, because we did everything we could to make that deck as consistent quotations as possible. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, like, I've won, you know, I've I've succeeded to have some amount of success with it in FNM sort of yeah. settings and stuff like that. Which, I mean, you know, it's not high-level tournament play, but it's like, I mean, we're proving that this deck can do something. That's our goal with it. Yeah, like, that's like I, I very much have my own little influences that I have had upon that deck, and, like, you have yours, and it's, it's like the perfect amalgamation of our two minds combining and creating this horrifying monstrosity. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But, I mean... <laughs> And that's and that's kind of the beauty of this whole the whole psychographics here is that these these are a tool to help understand people and understand that why people are playing magic not to discredit people or put people in a in a box unfairly by any means yeah like, like don't get me wrong like obviously you know there's a the whole like ah oh, they're using labels to describe people but. They're not using it, you know, as, like, a method of, like, control or anything. They're using it because it makes it, like, they can look at their set and they're like, okay, what cards do we have in this set that are good for each of these different people to make those people happy? Yeah. Like, it's so, why magic is so good. I mean, th this is a tool to understand people. Like, in my, so in my real life, I, I mean, I'm being, a, I'm a Johnny Timmy. So, for a while, I went and I'm, uh, I trained at, or... One of my or Andy, well, I suppose we've mentioned him on the podcast, so you can <laughs> one call him up by name. Yeah, one day we'll drag him into this, and people yeah. will actually know who he is. So Andy, um, uh, just on a whim, kind of after we were drinking and talking one night at a UFC event, got me to go and start training jujitsu at an MMA gym in the in the area, and I had a really tough time because all those people were very very different than me. Mm -hmm. But the one thing, or actually a couple things involving magic that helped me kind of figure it out and understand these people and and why they did what they did and what they were trying to do was the psychographics and the color wheel. I realized that a lot of the people there were red-white, so they kind of had that bent to them. But I realized that a lot of those people were spikes, and I'm not a spike, so I had a lot of trouble understanding, understanding that. But once I was able to put it in that terms and understand, oh, this is what they are trying to do, it really helped me integrate myself there and and have a better relationship with the people there so this is a tool that you can use for to help understand people yeah it's it's very like ex the color wheel especially but like the psychographics even more so like it's whenever i'm interacting with a new player like just watching them play and like listening to them talk i will learn what their psychographic is and it allows me to connect with them on that level so like you know like, a lot of my the friends who I talk to primarily, like, yeah, they're primarily spikes because, you know, 
each of the different psychographics do kind of tend to, you know, gravitate towards them each other. You know, well, I mean, you, that's just life. People yeah. gravitate towards people that like them. Yeah, that's just what you do. But, like, I can have a conversation with, you know, the Johnnies that are around who want to play their weird little janky five-color Tezzeret decks and who get super excited at the thought of Norn sisters and stuff like that. And, you know, I can talk to this, you know, the kid who's like, oh, I got to slam all these dragons and life is awesome. Like, I can identify with them because I understand them. And this is and this is one of those tools to help you understand them and to kind of break it down. Yeah, it's it's like just knowing. I don't know about these things anywhere near as much as you. And like I've, I'll tell anyone that like you know I'm, I I am interested by them, but I am not a super knowledgeable on them as much as you are. But I still use them in any interactions I have with anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I use this outside of magic even a lot of times. So. As I said, with the with the gym thing and and all that, but you know, table the tabletop game um, games that we play, um, I can use that. I, I can understand what each person in my group wants and tailor the game to give them those little those little things that they they are seeking in the game. Because I mean, if you think about it, you can probably I mean, every person that you've ever you know played a tabletop game with, I bet you can break down to one of those psychographics. Or a combination of them. Do you think I fall under the spike psychographic when it comes to tabletop? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure. You may, because you do... Because a spike in tabletop gaming, like D&D style, is a Mm min-maxer. They're a person that's trying to prove that they are the best at this. And... I don't think you're a min maxer necessarily. Like, that's that's kind of a derogatory term in gaming, I guess. (laughs) But... I mean, you you don't optimize maximally, I guess I'll say. I because op- because with my games, you know, you don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> I optimize in weird ways where I choose one very specific thing that my character would be good at, and kind of throw it all or the rest out. And it's usually not a good idea for me to do what I do. Yeah, like usually, you know, one of my favorite characters of all time, Abigor, primarily used lightning and storm-based magic. And we were fighting things that were immune to lightning. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept going down that path anyways. Yeah. But, I mean, and if you think about me, I, I'm still a, a Johnny Timmy. Mm-hmm. 100% with that. Almost every character I've made is an expression of myself in some way, which is horrifying when you think of some of the really insane characters that I've played. Let's not get, let's not go deeply into how dark some of everyone's mind secretly is. Yeah, we won't. But, but I mean, a lot of the characters are an expression of me in some way. But then a lot of the characters also are for moments. I like mm. creating moments to some degree. Um, and, you know, uh, we could go around the table and pick pick people there, but we're not going to call them out in this yeah. and everything. So, But, I mean, using using that tool, you understand what people want. And I think that's a huge thing. Cause the, the, so here's what is so hard with magic like magic is a bunch of pieces for many different games and that's really really confusing people play everybody plays magic differently i mean they use the same rules they use the same cards but they're not all trying to get the same thing out of it and i'm sure we'll talk about this when we eventually get to our casual magic topic but everybody's playing magic in a different way and is trying to get something different out of it so people sit a lot of times people can sit down across from each other and be playing a completely different game than the person they're playing with not just because they're playing bridge 
yeah, even though they're playing the same game. Yeah, Dredge is a completely different thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, yeah, we're not even going to bring that into the conversation. Kitchen Table Magic is a completely different game than Tournament Magic, which is a completely different game than Draft, which is a completely different game than playing Draft in a casual setting versus a tournament setting. It's There's so much going on here that understanding the crux of what somebody is trying to get out of this game is so important, especially in a community setting at, at a local store. Yeah, like, obviously, like, the end goal, once again, the end goal, build a community. That's what you're that's what you should want to do and like as a result you need to understand why everyone is in that building in the first place yes and that's what this is is for is understanding why the people are there why they're playing magic and how you can make magic better for them mm -hmm. and that and that's the, and that's the big thing make magic better for them yeah when magic is good for the people around you it's good for you yes and if you want some recap on that episode zero go listen to it <laughs> guess what guys don't be a dick. Yeah, I mean it all. It all kind of comes around. Like that's what so much, so much of this is, and a lot of the. I mean, I think Rosario said that the most important contribution he has made to Magic in the 22 years he has been there, and the 14 years he's been lead designer, and the countless articles and everything that he has written, and the countless cards he's designed, and everything he has done for the game. This is his, he said this is the most important thing he has ever made for Magic. And I, I firmly believe it. Yeah, just the knowledge of the psychographs is so important and how everything interacts. And I think they're misunderstood a lot of times, too. Like, people people hear, you know, Timmy, and they're like, oh, that's somebody who likes to play big creatures. Yeah. Well, well no, that's just one facet of the whole thing. Yeah, it's like, like you, you hear Timmy, and you're like, oh, the guy likes to play, you know, super big dragons and demons and angels. And you hear Johnny, like, oh, he's just playing some stupid janky combo deck. And you hear Spike, and you're like, oh, he's just an asshole. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. The assholes tend to be... Uh, leaning towards the spiky side of life but it does not describe all of us and it is not the sole reason why we're spikes just like playing big creatures is not the sole reason why people are timmies yeah <laughs> i mean i'm pretty i'm pretty sure when i had that um uh, edh deck that ran eye of the storm and i come and i went absolutely insane with that that had to be a timmy a little bit of timmy there too because that that's a huge that's yeah. a huge effect <laughs> but so actually, I want to get into something really quick that I, we we hit on this in another um uh, another podcast really quick. I don't remember which one because we've done you know so many of them, all eight <laughs> of them now. But um, Melvin and Vorthos. Common misconception is that they're psychographics, and I actually looked up everything I said in the podcast, and I was right, obviously, mm -hmm. um, because I make a podcast and we're infallible. But so they're actually aesthetics for the game, which you can combine with the psychographics to kind of give a direction to them to some degree. So Melvin or Mel is what Rosewater shortened it to now to be gender neutral. Mel cares about the mechanics and cares about how the pieces of the game fit together. They're they're the kind of person that looks at a card and doesn't really look at the flavor of the card, but they look at the text box and they're like, oh, these two abilities that are on this card play really really well together. That's that's super interesting and and fascinating. Whereas Vorthos cares about the flavor. They they can look at a card and be like, oh, this is a this is a knight with protection from dragons. How cool is that? That's you know super flavorful. And they look at they look at the the flavor of the card and how it all fits together. Not they're, and they're okay with 
mechanical sacrifices to some degree. Do you feel like as a result of those that like Timmy leans more towards Vorthos and Johnny leans more towards Mel? I'm not sure because so Timmy, I, I mean, Johnny, remember they express themselves through, they're trying to express themselves. So a lot of times that can be through building theme decks. True. So like built like an elf deck is a very Johnny thing. You know, uh, uh, what was the first the first actual deck I ever built, like, in Magic, back in the day, back when there were not enough good cards for it, was a Griffin deck, if that doesn't scream Johnny. There still are not enough good cards for it. Well, yeah, but <laughs> shot, uh, Griffin Rider went a long way, along with Fledgling Griffin. Yeah. So, I don't know, cause, and that's a very Vorthos thing to some degree. True. I think, um, uh, I think Spike tends to lead more towards... Mel, Mel to some degree just because they they care more about the mechanical aspect of it. Um, I don't remember which... I know there was a pro player um, and I think people were joking about it but they basically said that he said that um, uh, if the cards were nothing but, but numbers he would be perfectly fine with it. And that's a very kind of Mel thing to say to some degree where it's like it doesn't matter what the name is it could be you know creature A that does thing X and that's all they care about. You know. Um, I know I personally, as a spike, am very big on the Vorthos, but I don't, I, that doesn't mean anything really. That's just my own personal view on it. So, and it's just an aesthetic appreciation. I mean, yeah. and you can appreciate both. Is the thing. Yeah, I can appreciate like... both while still thinking Dredge is a perfectly reasonable mechanic. I mean, you can think that you can think that all you want, <laughs> but Dredge Dredge is a very flavorful mechanic. Absolutely. So I mean, there's that going on for it. <laughs> Dredges, I can't even say it. Never mind. I, know, I can't even jokingly say it. I don't. Yeah, whatever. You're wrong, and everybody. Yeah. You know, we could probably have an episode of me explaining why dredge is reasonable. It won't change anything. But see, here's the deal. At the end of the episode, all I'd have to do is say, "No, you're wrong. It's broken," and I would be right. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it. We're already running running a bit to the end here, so I don't think we want to yeah. get into that. We'll, uh, we'll give a spoiler for the um uh, for next week. We're probably going to do something about the the color wheel and explain all that stuff we've been rambling about because we talk about us being colors and everything. Mm -hmm. But I guess, John, do you have anything else before we finish up here? So, big shocker, random question for you. Okay. You have expressed on multiple occasions to me that you perceive yourself to be a weaker magic player than me. Right? Yes, yes. Uh, Alright. On that basis, do you find yourself playing differently when you're paired up against me or someone who I've told you that I personally think is, you know, like much better than me as you would against, like, you know, generic random person you don't know, A? So, funny thing, no. If I don't... It, I mean, there's there's people I know that if I get I will play differently against because I know them. Mm -hmm. But but like if you're if you're like, hey, this person's good, that really doesn't change my view of things. I tend to play very much. I tend to try to play tight all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe maybe there's some things I'd wiggle, but not really because I'd rather just play a really solid tight game of Magic and go with it from there. Yeah, I know when I, at least when I play against you, I always try and like mind game you a lot more. But that's because I know you and I can. 
I will say to you, I kind of do. I, I w- will kind of try that mm-hmm. because I know you so well. Yeah. But that's not because of skill level. That's just because of personal knowledge of each other. It's because of familiarity. But I mean, like, there's there's been other people that I've played against that I know very well. And I, I know their preferences. So even if I don't have no idea what deck they're playing or anything about it, I, I have a leg up because I know how they play Magic to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had this a couple times with people that have gone with us to... Um, most of the time, it's people who have gone to, with us to pre-releases. I know they have certain biases towards things, so even if I don't see them build their deck, I can I can kind of generally guess where they're going to be to some degree. I understand how they play the game. I understand what's important to them. So I can kind of use that information to, to get an edge. Um, because I don't think any of those people that I would go play with are like you, where you're just like... I want games. I am going to play the best thing I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very open in what I can play. So on the yeah. random chance you're not sitting at the same table as me, which has never happened ever. I, I think. Oh no, actually, it has once. There's been one pre-release that we did not do together. It was the first one I did. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like unless that randomly happens, like you have no idea what I'm playing, so you don't really have an edge against me as a result. I mean, we sit there and we we build our decks, and then afterwards we compare and stuff, mm-hmm. and then we end up facing each other in the finals, as it should be. Like, like that's happened more than once. <laughs> it's kind of entertaining, but hey, that has to give you a pretty good boost about your opinion on your own skill level. It does. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; it really, really does. It actually makes me feel pretty good about myself when it's like, oh, I went three and one at the pre-release, and I lost to John. <laughs> I'm like, dang. Hey, <laughs> It really does. I, I, I think real. I mean, realistically, I am a weaker player than you. I, mean, I think that's just fact. And me, and maybe also part of it is just that if I was to go and just be like, oh, I'm better than you, even if I was, I don't think that gets me very far. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I if I put myself in the position of I can learn something from you, it just makes me a better player. Yeah, there's like there's that weird little spiral that you'll see some people go down where like they they either think or know that they are better than someone, so as a result they will play looser and then they will lose as a result of it. There's a massive flaw that some people have that is really bad for them. Like, see, and here's the thing about magic is that you always hear people when they lose they complain, "Oh, this per- I can't believe I love this person, they're so bad. Oh man, this person doesn't know how to build decks. Oh, they don't know how to play." Guess what? Like, it absolutely does not matter how good the person is across from you. If you lose, you have still lost. Yeah. Like, that's reality. That is still a one in the lose column right there for you. So I think going into into every game, trying to just play your best, is just the correct solution all the time. Agreed. I mean, and, and there's people I've ran into at pre-releases multiple times, and I know they're... They're casual players to some degree. I've been pretty salty about losing to some people that I thought I was better than. But in the end, I know when I when I finally settle down and stop being salty because I'm frustrated that I just didn't win that game, and it doesn't matter that this person's better than me or not. And I need to play the best of my ability every single game I sit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure once we... At some point, we'll get into the whole, like... You know, getting salty over losing, st- losing and stuff. Because I know I've, I've can get really bad about it sometimes if I just have a bad day. Yeah, I've been around you. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing: variance is a bitch. 
It's part of magic. Man, I yeah, we'll have to hit this on. We'll have to do a topic on that sometime because I've got some thought. I I found that I deal really well with stuff like that. I I tend to not get frustrated very often. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, is that all you got for now, John? Or yeah, I'm good. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, if you have any feedback to give us, you can shoot us an email at thelocalmeta at gmail.com. We'll take a peek at that. Um, so, yeah, check us out next time when we do a, probably be doing a Color Pie episode. Yeah, we're planning ahead for once. <laughs> <laughs> Dang right. Don't let people behind the scenes, John, just act like we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, so, um, I guess we will catch you next time. See ya.